There are 574 tribal nations represented across the United States. They each have their own cultural richness, way of living, and customs. They also have health disparities and trouble with the acquisition of resources. Tribal Health, the podcast, wants to shed light on them and bring solutions available to improve access for tribal and indigenous communities. And now, your host, Mario Trujillo. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Tribal Health, the podcast. This is our first episode of 2024 and Happy New Year. We're excited to start this episode with Brian Wempen, who author, entrepreneur, he works heavily in digital health leadership and is passionate about mental health and addiction recovery. I'm particularly excited about Brian because he is in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I grew up in New Mexico. I'm also excited to talk about what kind of chili is his favorite too. But hey, Brian, welcome to the show. I'm going to kick it off to you and you can give yourself a, an intro. Perfect. I'm very glad to be here. You know, thank you for the extending the offer. Was excited about it. Tribal health actually is one of my passions for some reasons we'll probably get into. So my name is Brian Wimpen and you kind of nailed it. Entrepreneur, work in mental health, digital health. And I'm very passionate about helping people figure out ways to find their recovery. I have written several books. I love writing. Everybody's got books in them. So you just got to do it. And sure, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. And yeah, I'm, I live in uh, beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. Northern New Mexico is, is a gorgeous place. And I'm, uh, I'm a red guy. I'm a red chili guy. I have appreciation for green, but I'm, I'm team red. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. And there's some debate too with red chili. For those of you that don't know, in New Mexico, there's the southern red chili from the chili pot and northern red chili from the chimayo powder up there. But that's a whole nother discussion. And I'm a north. I'm in, I'm kind of a northern guy. My grandparents are from Powake, just up the road from you. And my grandma makes the powdered chili from chimayo. But then my grandma, who's from Los Lunas makes a chili pot in her blender, everything. So I have an appreciation for both, but New Mexico food hits different for sure. Absolutely. Glad, always glad to talk about New Mexico and the New Mexico food. It's a great yeah. it's part of the culture, right? So absolutely. So yeah, tell me about it. You are based in Santa Fe. What are you doing there? Just a little background on it. It was interesting. So I, again, I've worked in public sector. I've worked in state, county community health, tribal health, mental health. And the state of New Mexico Department of Health was one of my customers in a former life a, years, a few years ago. And I was coming out here quite frequently and fell in love with New Mexico. And my wife and I one day sat down in Kansas City, Missouri, and over dinner where we lived. And it's like, where would we want to live if we had to pick a place that we just could go and maybe we never move again because it's just a special place. And so we talked about it. It was a very short list and came to New Mexico a couple of years in a row just uh, to visit. And guess what? Just sort of fell in love with it and ended up uh, moving here during the pandemic and have absolutely loved every single minute. And professionally, I've worked, like I said, I've, I've been in digital health. I was in mental health. It's how I made a transition. I was in HR for a long time, HR and HR technology. 
human resources and got to the point that I did not want to do that anymore. I was probably stayed a little bit longer than I should have because I was pretty just burnt out on that function in, in business and switched over to healthcare about eight or nine years ago, specifically mental health and started working with mental health and substitute recovery and technology. And that kind of led me down the path to digital health. Right. And, and along the way, I worked with community health, worked with within tribal health. Kind of my thesis is professionally is I think digital health really does open up a different type of access and equity to a lot more people. Not everybody today, of course, but as we continue to offer and connect these different communities, especially remote and more rural, as we get more connected, there's ability to eliminate the care deserts, right? Eliminate the, and instill hope that I can actually get help with something that's going on. And so I kind of committed to, I want to go into digital health completely. And that was about three years ago. And so I worked remotely. I'm the chief revenue officer for a company called Bremble, which is a, a digital health, digital mental health company out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Clinician founded it. Very, our CEO is a very bright clinician uh, named Jordan Green had a good vision and we work with counties, states and tribal, tribal nations, tribal health centers and community health centers and public health. And I mean, anybody that needs extra connection and support for their folks, then that's what we're there for. And so I work remote, so I travel a lot and I get to come back to the place that I love. So long, long explanation. Dang, that's awesome. And so I'm interested in a couple things that you said. With your current company, it's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have uh, a couple of facilities out there. We work with a couple of the facilities out there on the res. Do you work with any of the reservations out there in Oklahoma? We're, we don't currently. We're in talk with about seven. So I actually, I lived in Tulsa for 11 years. And that's actually how I married into a Choctaw Comanche family. So that oh, was nice. my 20, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm losing count. But when you get older, the years sort of start to blend. So it's been a long time ago. I married into probably 20, 20, 30 years ago, actually. 30 years ago, yeah. I married into my my wife at the time. Her mother, full-blood Comanche, and father was shocked. And then a mix of other things, a little Irish in there. And, and she was raised mainly Comanche. And, and so I really got to know it from a family level. And so my daughter and granddaughters really got to get an appreciation for tribal health because we ended up having to use some of the services. And so I'm a huge fan of the Choctaw Nation, the Choctaw leadership. I mean, they were like, they, when we didn't think we had options, they were able to help figure out what what the next step was. Like we didn't know what to do. And because of the Choctaw and Choctaw tribal members, they were able to help us and they were incredibly gracious. The communication was excellent. This has been, I mean, this has been 20 some years ago now and I've always been such a fan. So they're literally the first ones I called when I got into digital health. And cause they, cause they have a, you know, very large tribe and they have a very, forward thinking and funded approach to healthcare. They've did some amazing things or down in Kalahina and down in uh, Choctaw country. 
They have some amazing facilities. They really have good behavioral health leadership. I'm a huge fan of and know. And so we're in conversations with Choctaw Nation, Muscogee Creek Nation, and several others. Just, just there's, I mean, pretty, Oklahoma geographically is pretty comprehensive when you're able to talk to very, though some of the largest and some of the, some of the smaller. And so we're talking to a whole bunch of them across uh, that geographic region. I've had the honor to work with Choctaw Health Clinics over the last three years and nothing but positive interactions with them. We had sent some critical care teams around the country and Choctaw was one of our one of our destinations for COVID care and an incredible community, incredible staff. Yeah, Choctaw is a, a good name, a good community for sure. But that's awesome. I wish you all the best of luck in getting those getting that business with them to improve some of the digital healthcare landscape for them because that's very needed. And also it'll give them all a different opportunity to have healthcare access. We we had just opened or helped open up a hospital in a community in Navajo Nation. And some of the tribal members were telling me that they had to drive 30 minutes to an hour to the closest hospital. And this new hospital that was popping up 15 minutes down the road is a huge thing for them because of access to care. So the digital landscape will be huge for these reservations, especially the the larger ones as well. The kind of broadband strategy really gets in play so that you can get to a computer or, or Wi-Fi or you have a phone or a tablet. Those solutions are really, truly really going to expand that opportunity. I mean, that general kind of world health strategy and you're not going to find any more complex, underserved markets than tribal nations or tribal lands. We, right. whether it's super remote in, in Alaska, and we work, I work with some of the Alaska communities to just, there's, I mean, there's, they're working on infrastructure like running water and electricity and some of the more base needs, like, and specifically the Navajo Nation, because they're, I mean, they're super remote. And infrastructure, you, you got to cover the infrastructure first, right? And I totally understand that. You got to get base, those basic needs covered first. And then from there, you build on what feels like a, an odd luxury in, in West, in the Western side of the world is when you start talking about cell signal and Wi-Fi and broadband and everything, but it's becoming more of a utility. So from an infrastructure standpoint, and, and I know the Cherokee Nation has literally They've literally put up some towers specifically in different areas because of, right? Mm -hmm. Like they fund it. And there's these different initiatives I think are going to make the world a difference because it's going to make that success Mm -hmm. more available. And then it's a matter of just getting more comfortable with doing it that way because it's not in person. And so there's just a little bit of practice and and muscle memory and, and getting used to getting uh, supports and care that way. But I think everybody, everybody's more than capable. It's not a capability thing. It's just, it's going to take a little get used to. And you're absolutely yeah. right. A pain point in indigenous, in the indigenous healthcare space is, or two pain points, I guess, is accessibility and trust. And in one of our facilities that we have in, or that we work at in South Dakota, very rural area, and for our doctors that we have in some housing, trying to get Wi-Fi for the houses has been 
an adventure to say the least and trying to get the mobile you see on on TV, the different cellular companies offering mobile Wi-Fi, but they don't really work and trying to get it connected to that area is ridiculous. But general accessibility to to Wi-Fi or to a facility is hard. But then also the trust for these providers coming into a community, they're not a part of the community or they're, they don't know the culture very well and trusting after years of generational trauma, their life and their health care. And even to, I mean, now with the movie awards going on, Killers of the Flower Moon is in spotlight right now with, with Leonardo DiCaprio coming back on screen. But I bring that up because you look at the indigenous healthcare space within that movie and the trust issues that developed within that with doctors not giving proper medi- medication. And with accessibility comes the necessary point of trust for these providers coming in. So it's just, it's a heavy toll on the community itself to build that trust, but then also a heavy adventure on those of us that aren't part of these communities coming in to provide care. Sure. You know? No, that's, that's like you highlighted one of the biggest challenges, especially like that's 100%. Like you couldn't have articulated it. And it's something that just has to be acknowledged. And if it's not acknowledged, how to try and make it like I'm like, I'm focused on substance use recovery and mental health, which have extra layers of stigma that's attached to it and shame and guilt. And, and you're talking about culturally, you have these big families that are tribal nations that they're fairly small communities. And there's just, there seems to be some extra, there's just extra layers of I, I don't want to tell people or I don't want to, I don't want to go to this place on Tuesday because everybody's going to know that I'm there for uh, a recovery meeting, right? And stuff like that. So there's, I think there's huge opportunity, but like you said, it is, it has layers of complexity to it because of the generational trauma, the cultural trauma. Like it's just the continued lack of access there. There's just layers and layers of complexity to it and it has to be acknowledged or you're just never gonna it's just you're never gonna move it forward unless you just you acknowledge it and don't let it be unspoken about we need to stop just avoiding things and actually talk about it address it and move forward now with the mental health and addiction recovery that you briefly talked about you you listed in your bio i'm interested in what are you doing with that are you working within your current company with that are you do you have side projects or passions with diverse communities, tribal communities? I saw that you worked with the Latino community as well. What are you doing in that area of healthcare? Remble is a basically a digital health solution towards mental health, mental health improvement being and substance recovery as an extension. It's non-clinical. It's it's not a, it doesn't compete with other services. It's just that 24-7, but it's using really modern technology and evidence-based practices, which trained AI. So it's some really forward-thinking and innovative stuff, and which adds another le- level of schism and trust issues just among the indigenous communities of everybody. And uh, so that's how we're basically, we're trying to extend and 
put some solutions in place as an extension of whether it's the, the a nation strategy for overall well-being or it's, a, it's maybe it's a clinic or health and wellness strategy. So that's usually our conversation is let's try and put that in place. And so what we're doing actually to kind of help with that is we're creating a hybrid model, like specifically is we're adding like a key peer support specialist that will help with escalations and the conversation. So it's not just trained AI to help start the conversation and, and make recommendations to content that might help, but it's actually people on the back end helping navigate when folks are struggling, right? Two o'clock in the morning, somebody wants to have a conversation or wants to share that they're in pain and something is going on and they're really struggling, then they can do it very privately via kind of our platform. And our goal is to kind of end the suffer in silence mode, right? That's a pervasive, a very pervasive thing is I'm, I don't want to tell anybody. I'm just going to it's just the way it is. And we just want to give other options and get make sure that people know there are other options that you can, whether you're getting feedback and having a conversation, sure, with a chat bot that gives you direction or maybe you need to interact with your support. That's way better than just continuing to suffer in silence. That's just such a, that's such a horrible, I'm in long-term recovery personally from alcohol and drugs. and that lack of hope and the misery that goes with that is so heavy on top of everything else. And you're just trying to feel that. And that's where the drugs and alcohol come in because that's that ends up being a coping skill you find works at some point. And then at some point, it doesn't work anymore. And all of a sudden, you can't kick that can down the road forever. And you have to, you just, it just kind of counts. And so our goal is to, to give some options and it's not going to be for everybody, but hopefully the folks that want to give it a try will get some relief from it and feel that they're supported and heard and will hopefully look to start figuring out how to make their life better and feel better. And if they get better, their family gets better. I mean, all those things. But yeah, that's kind of what, that's kind of what we're doing. And it's, it's an education process. Uh, we've got some really good feedback. I mean, we're having to make it more like our platform is evolving to be more kind of identifiable. It's the, uh, I heard that term so long ago from just the family. Somebody's identifiable, right? So we want the platform to be very identifiable that we work with within the indigenous community, right? We understand tribal health. So that means having people that Look and sound like you and having programs like Well Variety and some of the other ones that are that are specific to tribal health and and the tribal communities so that it's, oh, okay, they actually do know about it. We're not lumped into one category of Native American. It's like they understand that there's 570, whatever the number is, 573, 574 recognized other tribes and other communities. And all of those are definitely individual. They're definitely different. What you were talking about with coping and the need for peer support, confidentiality, understanding, what are the main things in life in general, in, in our struggles, we're seeking support, we're seeking someone to journey with us or just be there for us as a shoulder uh, of strength or support. And within the indigenous communities, and me, I, I can speak into the Hispanic communities aspect of uh, the need for support 
and the desire of the family to support. I mean, each family is different. Each family goes through their own things. But I think that's an innate desire in these communities specifically is to be surrounded by all of that. A lot of the family is included in health discussions. And I've said this on a past episode, but even when I'm struggling personally, and I sort of mention it to my aunt or my cousin, they want to talk about it. They want to be there for me to support. They, they involve other people in the discussion to help. And a big portion of the indigenous healthcare space as I work closely with our clinicians here and some of the community facilities is the need for support, the need for in- including the family, family dynamic in that because without them, there's only so much that coping can do. Sure. And you bring up such a good kind of element that where culture has to be acknowledged. Like you just have to, or, or you're really doing care, care and support a disservice, like with Hispanic Latino community. My second wife is Mexican American. And so in the last 10 years, have got a lot more involved in the Latino community and just understanding some of the cultural nuances that you might never come across unless you are more embedded in it. And so there's different cultures that family, if you can get the family involved, you can you can actually move things faster further and it really makes it stick and be sustainable because that family is so important. And I think that's, I think there's elements of that everywhere, but it might not be family. It might just be friends that are close and different things. But I think there's certain populations that is almost critical that that's part of it. There's actually research out there about that specifically that is, I'm not as familiar with it, but says if you can get family involved, you have a long-term recovery is, let's say, 25% more likely, right? Because you've broken down the shame, the guilt, you've got people connected because we all want connectedness. That's ultimately one of the biggest healers to addiction issues of any kind is connectedness, right? You're filling gaps and you're coping with different elements that have become chronic, right? Or disrupting your life. And so that connectedness is one of the core components. You bring up such a great point. It's just figuring that out. And healthcare is not designed to get the family in general. It's not designed to get the family involved in that care. And right. so there's some systemic issues that you just have to kind of go outside the box and, and start to figure that out. And I think we'll see that in the next 10 years. That'll be more comprehensive. Yeah, great point. Absolutely. And I know that our time is coming close to an end, but as a person who is not Native, what advice would you give to like our clinicians, our nurses going to these various communities around the country to work closely with these, with these Indigenous people from different cultures? What advice would you give them as they not only prepare to give care, but I mean, they're moving there, essentially, they're, they're entering a community and we encourage them to become a part of events and cultures and this community as they serve the community as well. But what advice would you give as a non-Native person working closely with Indigenous communities? Sure. There's there about three things that immediately come to mind. One, 
make it personal. You've got to get involved and be curious. Second, you've got to be curious. And then third is don't worry about not doing things right because it's the, I don't want to, yeah, I think there's a huge issue, especially if you're not involved with a certain population that you don't do it because you don't want to make a mistake. And I think that unfortunately puts a lot of limits on your ability to be authentic and just be a person. You just got to communicate that I really want to learn about the culture and I really want to learn about you as the individual. And I want to learn about your family and your history of your family. I, tell me about your grandparents. Tell me about your elders. Tell me about your uncles and aunts, right? I mean, that's the important part of that. Tell me why you do and don't do something. Because I'm super curious, right? you got to be curious. Mm-hmm. And then that goes, I think that extends so far because you're committed to that curiosity and then learning and understanding and be willing to make mistakes because it's not malicious. It's you know, and you just got to be willing to do that. I think there's a level of appreciation when you're just who you are and you're willing to kind of just jump in and I'm going to figure this out. And it it goes a long way. So that's probably the big thing. You got to be curious. You got to make it personal, get involved. And then you got to be willing to just go and do it, even if it's not exactly right. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. All of that. All of that is necessary. I mean, even just interacting with someone at the grocery store, but especially with someone that is from a completely different culture. And as you enter in their space out, out of respect to do. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for your time on this podcast. And I'd love to do another episode with you as we didn't cover a lot more. So <laughs> it would be, it'd be cool to have more conversation again, and just check in on you to see how, how things are going with your work. Sure. Now, appreciate it. And next time, we'll talk about the books. We'll talk about yeah. what book you can write in the future. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be fun. We'll make everyone a writer too. I everyone love it. has an experience for sure. But thank you for joining. And then do me a favor, if you're out eating in Santa Fe and you go to Tomasita's, get a red chili stuffed sopapilla for me. We'll definitely do it. And, and, <laughs> next, and next time you come here, you need to go to El Camal. That's one of my new favorites. Okay. It's a very local, old 30, you know, 30, 40 year restaurant that's really small and they're great and it's hot and it's fantastic. But I'll definitely, next time we're there, I'll think about it <laughs> for that. Thank you. I, I need some red chili. I just ran out of the green chili in my freezer too this weekend, actually. So. <laughs> need to find out to get a new shipment out here. But thank you for joining. And thank you everyone for listening to Tribal Health, the podcast. And we'll see you next episode. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Tribal Health, the podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's guest. For the show notes, resources, and more, please visit podcast.tribalhealth.com. If you want to learn more about how tribal health can be a solution to health disparities, please visit us at www.tribalhealth.com.